I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Um, or like, or when parents are like, now you should apply to Saturday Night Live. Oh my <laughs> That's God. The classic. Yep. Your skits are so funny. If they say skit, skits. they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sweet. It's well intent. You know, it, it, they mean well, but mm-hmm. yeah. not quite how it works. <laughs> yeah. You just don't show up at those SNL auditions. Right. And they're like, oh, you're here to be a writer? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, we only had a couple people show up for this. Yeah. Uh, Sit on down. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's basically a never-ending clown car of queer women. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> I'm Sarah York. And today we're diking out again with comedian and TV writer Lauren Ashley Smith about interracial relationships. Uh, Lauren was the head writer of The Rundown with Robin Thede and also wrote and produced segments for shows like Best Week Ever, Fashion Queens, and Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Was that super fun? The funnest. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. And my uh, sister worked on the show, too, so that was fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that your sister also is showbiz. She is. Yeah. We've worked on four shows together. and Oh, um, my God. She's retired from television. Now she writes mostly for, like, uh, print, online and print. Like, she is a freelance writer. What a um, dream team. But she yeah. is, like, a very uh, experienced, like, producer and uh, researcher. Cool. That's so cool. Last night, Cecilia and I... Went to a double dikey movie feature. Uh, we saw Lizzie, and then we saw Colette. What? 
You saw both of those? Both of those back to back. So it's too intense. Right? We saw we saw Lizzie and we got out and I was like, Do you want to just see Colette now too? Oh, I thought you meant like it was a literal double feature. No, and no, I was no, like, no, wait, no. what theater would have been putting that amazing? Right. Like- right? It was at the <laughs> Angelica Theater. Oh, which okay. Was, and uh as I predicted, the audience for Lizzie was just lesbians and old men. I feel like anytime I go to a lesbian movie, it's just lesbians and old men or right. like old couples yeah. and nothing in between. Uh, That's what, the kind of movie my mom and her husband would see, not realizing that it was like totally overt queer themes and be like, oh, this is interesting. You know, like yeah. they, they wouldn't pick that up in the trailer at all. <laughs> yeah. Let me just say what a time was to be Lizzie alive. Good? Uh, yeah. Both movies were great. Colette turned out to be way gayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karina, I know you saw Lizzie. Have you seen Colette? Oh, my God. Colette's the one with Kira Knightley, right? Yes. Oh, she is. And I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know as much about because it's based on the true story of the French author. She wrote uh, Gigi and mm-hmm. like a whole slew of things and um, is like France's biggest female literary mm-hmm. person of all time. And uh, And she was so like queer and just had these affairs with women and um one woman that she had like a long affair with and and lived with for a while after her and her husband separated was this uh very butch woman who was like a marquee and at the time it was like this big scandal and um to see that portrayal in a movie too of mm-hmm. a of a butch character and the way that they talk about it it was crazy it was so Good, and I had no idea that it was actually because in the in the trailer they allude to it like a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but it could also it also made it look like maybe there's just like one or two short scenes and there's not going to be much to it. But it was like no, a big theme of this movie is cool. these affairs that she has with with women and her interest in women and um, being like dressing more masculine yeah. and and things like that. Yeah which was cool. So it was a great movie. And then afterwards we didn't realize it. There was a Q and a with the producers of the film. So it, oh, it was awesome. so random. Yeah. And the producers are the same producers who also did Carol and okay. boys don't cry. And, um, and then a bunch of movies that aren't as gay. So I'm not going mm-hmm. <laughs> to, they don't deserve many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just not going to talk about uh, it. How, how was Lizzie? Was it really, was it like scary at all? Like, was it super violent or was it more, uh, it was so violent at yeah. the end. It was uncomfortable the really? way that those well, I mean, people get hacked the up. the Lizzie with- Borden story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've never yeah. heard of either of these. <gasps> okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, Lizzie- so one is the Lizzie Borden story. Okay. She's the one that yeah. killed yeah. her parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... So yeah. basically, and then that, that's Kristen Stewart and uh, Chloe, uh, Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. Gotcha. But uh, yeah. Chloe Sevigny plays Lizzie, and Kristen Stewart plays the, the Irish she's like a housemaid. Maid. Yeah. But in the real story, like I, I fell into like a Wikipedia wormhole about Lizzie Borden, and um, I, she basically lived in the home with them. But then, like in the in- ensuing investigation, after I think there was some suspicion that she was the killer, and like. You never that she was involved because that she was no, involved. nobody yeah. was ever charged. Yeah, no one was ever. The they didn't, I think they just didn't have enough evidence. And then there was this whole backstory of like this really tumultuous relationship between the daughter and the dad's wife. Yeah, because of like some inheritance things, and there was some money involved. It was like a whole fucking crazy story. Yeah, so I I don't know how much. I mean, I think the 
the part between Lizzie and the the housemaid was like the most like you know there's no proof that any right, of that but it's happened kind of but the facts of the, the case movie. is like that the um the stepmom was killed 90 minutes before the dad was killed so that the inheritance wouldn't have gone to the stepmom's family whoa yeah <laughs> That's petty. Uh, yeah, no, it's like <laughs> yeah. super calculating. But you go the whole movie and then they kind of go right to, you know, the the questioning and the trial and they don't show the axe murder. So I'm like, oh, interesting. Maybe this is the take that they're mm-hmm. just doing Lizzie but not showing the murders. And then they show them and spoiler alert. So I don't know. Don't listen right now if you're going to mm-hmm. see it. But. They're naked when they do the, the murders, so it's like naked case do and Chloe's <laughs> and committing like, axe murder, committing Holy axe shit. murder, and it is fucking what? intense. Wow. It is intense. That's but a little. That's okay. Th- it is. Why intense. is that? In, is that necessary for the plot? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm wondering I'm why. So they could watch. Read it's showing like how that. how careful they were. So they were careful to not have bloodstained clothes. To not have bloodstained okay. clothes, and that yeah, that one was supposed to mar- or one was supposed to murder the stepmom, and the mm-hmm. other was supposed to murder the dad, and kind of how they both coordinated it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So the. But like, but there's. I did not expect there to be that much nudity in the film, and from from both of them. And wow, it was. That's a real. Uh, that's a move for an actor to do a nude scene, but a nude murder scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Yeah, I. Is it? Is it? I mean, is it them, or does it seem sort of like maybe body doubles, oh, it's or them. is it like okay? It's. Yeah. A, I mean, I've. I, Chloe Sevigny. I think has, she's done. Yeah, before. has yeah. disrobed on, on screen before, mm-hmm. but has Kristen. Stewart? Not that I know Not that of. I, so I was I surprised. Think, yeah. Because once she got naked, I was like, oh, is Kristen Stewart going to get naked too? Like, whoa, this is exciting. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> and yeah, both great movies, both turn of the century, oh, yeah. like late 1800s. Um, I don't know. It, it was interesting to see those movies back to back. Yeah. Um, quick PSA. Uh, there was a Q&A, like I mentioned, uh-huh. and Q&As where they let audiences ask questions are my least favorite things yeah. because there are always people who do not have any intention of asking a question. They it's just, just a statement. I yeah, more just of a, a statement. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And this one was a doozy. It was so uncomfortable. Cecilia and I were just sinking into our seats and I was... So this woman first declares her, her love of the producers and how um, important their movies have been to her and mm-hmm. almost starts crying and then uh that's when i leave that's when i get up and yeah. politely leave and i'm like I okay I could, I, I could already tell there was gonna be no question yeah <laughs> then she points out a specific scene in the movie where these guys are kind of um resurfacing the hardwood floors in the home mm-hmm and that scene mimics an impressionist, a uh, famous impressionist painting. So she wanted everyone to know that she knew that Jesus that was Christ. a reference uh, to the impressionist painting. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then she was like, "Where was I going with this? Oh, I don't know. I I just think it was great that you did that. I mean, did you do it on purpose?" And I'm like, "Okay, 
You think they just accidentally recreate it? Right. Like, do you understand what goes into? To do you think that me? anything in a film is, is not accidental? A, right? Yeah, like it is not a completely intentional thought about edited. You know, like, right? So uh, then the then annoying. the producers uh, the producer they were nice about it, but she corrected her and said it's actually it's not a Degas. It's by this other impressionist. It's his name and the. So, for and some the reason, literally they, on they left this woman with the microphone. Nobody took <laughs> it away, and she goes, "No, I'm pretty sure it's a Degas." Oh my no, God. no. <laughs> I, do, like, I, oh I my get God. honestly so uncomfortable in any audience. Yeah, and uh, not it's the performer, worst. but like creator. I can't yeah. handle. I, I literally cannot stomach like. Live, don't like do Q and A situations. Yeah, I can't unless do it. you have a question, I skip through them that, on podcasts too. I can't like I can't listen to like the 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 audience chiming in. I'm not there to see. I'm not there to hear your fucking opinions or your dumb questions. I'm there to like hear yeah. what the creator says. Yeah, un- unless like ask a question that everybody wants to know the answer to. Right. Don't ask and don't something stand up just to like only declare you. your knowledge about something. Yeah. So then she says where she's seen the painting. She's like, but it's in the Musée d'Orsay, and I'm like. All right, lady. All right. Take a seat. <laughs> Take a seat. Sit down. Uh, right. I would like throw a handful of popcorn. I feel like <laughs> I that person. And I didn't have to turn around to know it was a white woman. It yeah. was just like, like that is a white lady or an any man thing. <laughs> I I I was like, wow. The, yeah, it was such a. You would think that it was a, a guy man that move. It was and, a guy move. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah. so then I'm like, oh, I wonder if it was. A, a lesbian because I was like I'm calling this out on the podcast tomorrow and Cecilia's like it might be a listener I'm like worth it yeah. uh, she needs to know that this is not this is not how you Q&A, Q&A. there has to be a Q behavior. and then yes. you have to accept the A yeah. and, and not and relinquish up. the microphone <laughs> relinquish the mic and look around like oh who gave me this here have it back right <laughs> I know uh, I, I used to be the the microphone runner when I volunteered at the Paley Center for media okay and it was Definitely, I would not let go of the mic. I would just hold oh, it smart. in front of yeah, her mouth. Yeah, that's a rookie move and then to you hand take it. it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some and people take it back will and wrestle move on. you for it. Oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah. this is their moment to shine. People would, would try to take it from me, and I would let them know, no, no, I'm holding on to this mic. <laughs> it's like handcuffed to your wrist. Yeah, like I'm a not going to let you harass me. You have like yeah. American Ninja Warrior grip strength yeah. now. It's like we'll not let it go. Yeah. Oh my god, that's great. That yeah. reminds me so much of like every college class where there was always a guy with more of a comment than a question. Yeah. Ugh, it's like this like... class isn't being co-taught. Yeah. Shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lauren, so I, I first saw you at a panel and I was very thankful for it because they collected questions ahead of time and That's the moderator smart. got to and go through filtered. and select the useful ones. That's the and only way to do it. Yes. Why don't more play? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Have you ever had like a q and I'm guessing that wasn't the only panel you've It wasn't. Done. I I have done a couple panels recently and they've all gone pretty well. Like I think people um, are like getting hip to it. And like if you get enough people in a room that like are tired of that yeah. mm-hmm. say person, yeah. you get people that ask good <laughs> questions. Um, I don't think I've had any really bad ones. It's just like always awkward when people are like, can you hire me? And it's like, oh, I don't oh, know your God. name. Yeah. Um, my show is canceled, and uh, I don't know what your skill set is. Right. So yeah. I don't. I can't. I don't know answer yeah. anything about you. And now I look like an asshole. No, you should just be like, no. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> no. Absolutely I'm, not. Absolutely not. I will not hire you. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I don't think that people 
realize that once you get into the industry a little bit, you you should be pretty aware of it, that mm-hmm. every person on a show has at least a hundred super talented friends yeah. who the, if they're gonna give somebody a chance, it's them and not. Yeah. It's gonna be a proven, strange. a known. Yeah, quantity. it's someone. Yeah, it's someone that they've been someone doing they comedy like with for for, for years. For. Yeah. Who has? It's not just somebody that hands them a a random packet, right. or, or anything like that. I mean, because you know, and and even like my mom will be like, oh, well, if if your friend's a writer on the Tonight Show, then why doesn't she get you a job? I'm like, that's, that's not how that works. Not that's how, not how it works, works, unfortunately, at all. Yeah, at all. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Even worse than the than the Q and As that where like someone brings the mic around the room oh, are the ones where there's a microphone stand and, and they let people up. line up. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, the anxiety I feel when I see a lot of people lining up is palpable like I want to I, I I want to leave the room and I want to go home because I do not wish to be there for any at all what a it's chaos it's anarchy like I can't do a Q&A structure like that that happened when I went to the New Yorker festival last year and I saw Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. and it was a line and I can't I, imagine this. I think I had a valid question <laughs> at the time but then when I saw the line form I'm like nope not no, getting absolutely not not getting in that mix yeah um and it definitely was a line of people that just wanted to let Ryan Murphy know how much his shows meant to them right yeah it's like oh there's a there's oh a you podcast. enjoyed American Horror Story yeah great <laughs> uh there's a podcast I really like called Bitch Sesh that has um that structure at their live shows and like yeah. sometimes it's really cool but there are people that like not only do they not no, like you had the survival instinct to be like, hey, actually, like I'm in a way like, is my question that important to stand in the right. sign? Maybe not. I'm just yeah. not going to do it. The people that don't possess that quality and yeah. then also the people that torpedo their whole lives just for a chance <laughs> to get on the mic. So they'll be like, because they do this thing called boots on the ground where they have people yeah. like talk about like interactions they've had with people on Bravo, which is like sometimes fun and whatever. And, but sometimes they'll be like, I work at this gym on 49th and 7th. And <laughs> this celebrity came in and said this personal thing about how her son has this health problem. And my name is Jessica. Oh, and it's like, like, what the are fuck you are you doing? Trying to get fired. This is a, <laughs> a live podcast. There are 200 people here. Yeah. You're an idiot. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Oh my God. I love that. Uh, people will just, or the, I've been to a couple things where people, where it was sort of like, it wasn't necessarily a Q and a, it was like, tell your story about how that, and then I don't want, that's when I go get a drink. I go I to the bathroom. I do catch anything. up on emails. I will yeah. go, I will literally, I would rather do anything else than be like in a room where just random ass people are telling their story. Yeah. I just have such an issue with people talking who aren't hip, who aren't the, the, the reason I'm there. Who right. aren't like yeah. storytellers. Right. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Once I went to, when I was in college, they had a debate night about gay marriage. Oh. And, oh. and I went because- You went to that? Oh I went because God. I wanted to hear the other side because at the time I'm like, I, I just don't understand. I want to hear one convincing argument that isn't just like a veil for, I don't think gay people should be married because it's a sin or whatever. Yeah. It is like- uh, and it was, yeah, like the slippery slope arguments and, and those kind of things. And they just ended up looking really stupid and mm-hmm. nobody could build a, a logical or, uh, argument that made any sense. So anyway, they had a line form of oh, people God. that could make points or ask either side to whatever. 
And I just remember this old man walked up and was like, I just don't think it's fair to those of us who can't get married because no one will marry us. Oh my God. And it was like, the, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is. That activates all of my anxiety oh. triggers. Like every, this entire story. And, and, and like, like nobody knew what to say. <laughs> they're, they're like, why, why should gay people get rights when I don't get marriage benefits because, because nobody will I marry can't me? get, cause, yeah. And, oh, and he was just like this lonely old man that like came to this college camp, this debate night tough. on gay marriage, that, that just brutal. to like <laughs> represent really the incels, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was like nobody knew what yeah. to say to that. Yeah. I also can't do anything that involves the word debate. Like I'm not yeah. here for a debate. I feel like that's that, the first and last. That's being, yeah, because <laughs> I feel like that whole debate culture, like that debate me bullshit, is. Small dick energy from the men who use it. And also, it's just, it's kind of, to me, I'm associating it strictly with, like, the conservative Twitter that's like, well, why doesn't Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez show up and debate me? Like, that one oh, ass. Yeah, yeah. Ben name? Shapiro. Fucking ben Shapiro, yeah. Blech. It's like, well, number one, you're not running against her. Like, Why should she? Why yeah. the fuck should, why does she owe you your to her time? Yeah. 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 Oh, also the way that when that happened, how people could not understand when she compared it to catcalling and yeah. they're like he wasn't catcalling her she needs to get over I'm like no no she didn't say he was catcalling it's the sit. oh what is wrong yeah, with you people exactly. that, and that to me yeah, is and they're, culture they're and like oh she's such an idiot because she thought thought that well, was catcalling yeah. nope uh, the false not what she said thing. I hate uh, it yeah. the gaslighting everything. I really shouldn't live on Twitter but I do yeah, yeah I gotta log out like, yeah. a lot of times yeah because I'm like I can't I'm not gonna it's not good for my heart. I don't want to die early because of Twitter. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah, I'm on it so much less now. Oh my uh, god! I because I'm I've, I'm all in on it. I like can't. it's and I don't know how to, I don't know I I justify it because I don't have Facebook or Instagram, so it's like my one thing. But instead of spending a little bit of time on three apps, I spend a lot of time on one exactly, and it's not good. Yeah, I quit Facebook, and I was like. For like a year, I was like awesome. Like mm-hmm. that that debate energy has like left my life. Yeah, and then slowly Instagram and Twitter just grew to expand to fill the space. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and now I'm getting mad about stuff on Instagram, and I was like, this isn't where I want to be. Yeah, this isn't where I want to yeah. be emotionally. Ugh, I know. Tw- Twitter is like, it's like a gas in a room. It just expands to fill the room. Totally, and that's like what it's done yeah. Yeah. in my life. Ugh. It's brought some good things, but it's also like, all right, I just find myself getting so bogged down and so mad that I, I, I should be able to say like, Oh, I'll just put my phone down and not be on it. Yeah. But I, but I still do it. Yeah. So yeah. there is no solution. I just have a do not engage. I don't let myself engage with trolls. Oh, I don't engage. Because for, I, I, I did engage for a while. What's then, your, what's your policy on engaging with people? It depends. But my main issue in life and also on the internet is like, I can't let stuff go. Like if I know I'm mm. right, yeah. I can't like, be the bigger person yeah. or like be like, Oh, so well, the internet's a really healthy place it. for you. Exactly. <laughs> so I have to like make the quick decision right at the outset. Cause if I engage once, then there's no coming back yeah. from that. Like I can't opt out halfway through. It's right. either zero to a hundred. So I try to remain at zero. And sometimes like I truly can't. Um, and then I go off and then I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Um, yeah. but usually it's do not engage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of mine too. Unless it's like someone comments on something literally to me, like if I get added from someone, yeah. then I'm, I feel like I kind of have to. Yeah. But that's that's fairly rare. Yeah. Um, 
Ugh. Yeah. The other good thing about Twitter too that stops me is like usually when I get mad, what I'll do to stop myself is I'll look at the replies and I'm like, uh-huh. someone else did it for me. Someone always yeah. beats you to and it. And so yeah. I'm like, I don't need, I'm, I'm all set. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I figure. I'm like, other people are handling it. There are some people who like some really high profile people whose entire Twitter presence is basically just engaging. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't like that to me just requires the kind of mental and emotional energy that I don't think I, could I don't possibly have possess. Yeah. Like some of the shit that like Roxanne Gay gets on Twitter. Oh I'm my like, God. I, how has she not I would burned have punched it all down? through a wall like, several. Like she I, mean, should, I hope she has a room in her house. that's just like just holes. punching through. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, she just glass like, bottles. Yeah. And some, someone comes over every week to like spackle it yeah, up. Yeah. She's like, got oh, a wow, demo room. Rough yeah. week, huh, Roxanne? As yeah. they're like <laughs> fixing up the walls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know how she. I I think people people in that in her position, I'm sure, have a self care routine that like pulls them out of social media. I don't know, but it just some people are really getting stuff. And like former guest Talia Lavin, yes, engages a lot, and yeah. I don't know how she does it, but yeah, yeah it like gives me the chills thinking about yeah, having to good. deal with that kind of yeah. bullshit on Twitter. So on that note, let's yeah. talk about interracial dating yeah. slash relationships. <laughs> Right. Yeah, let's segue right into that. Yeah, pros, cons. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I have written on yeah. my notes. <laughs> pros, cons. Uh, so I guess like uh, everyone's background as far as relationships, like you is your, you're you're married. Mm-hmm. Is your wife? She's Jewish. She's white. Yeah, right. she's okay, Jewish. Cool. Yeah. How uh, how uh, have you dated like? Have you dated people from kind of all backgrounds before? I wasn't like a big dater. Like I had not dated a ton of people. Um, Mostly I would say people of color before Mm -hmm. her. Like I had a couple of like intercultural, like all of my relationships have been like intercultural. Like Mm -hmm. the first girl I dated was from Trinidad. So Mm -hmm. like she was a Trinidad, like a citizen of Trinidad, like Mm -hmm. non-American. And so that was like different, but she was black. Yeah. um, Like I am. And so there were certain things that like, I didn't really understand about her. She didn't understand about me. And then like my long, I've been with my my wife for like almost nine years. So I've not, I, my memory of other people has completely gone away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we're like as culturally, racially, class, everything different you could possibly imagine. Yeah. 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 And what, what are some of the challenges do you think that that kind of brings to a relationship? Uh, I would say, I don't think there are a ton of challenges at this juncture, but it is, because she is in a lot of ways culturally black like not not the way that she grew up but like she has a very deep understanding of black culture like when Mm -hmm. I met her she was working at BET so like she's logged a lot of hours like with black people Mm -hmm. yes so like the first night that I spent the night at her house she like had like a silk scarf for me to wrap my hair which was like I was like what the heck this is so crazy um so like like she just like intimately knows black people and has since she, cause she went to boarding school and a lot of her friends at boarding school were black. So she's like, she's li- I'm not the first black person that she has like lived around, which yeah. is important to me. Cause I feel That's like good. as much as like woke is like, you can be as a white person or as like allied you can be, there is a certain level of proximity that, um, most white people will never attain mm-hmm. to black yeah. people. Like you can have a black coworker or a black close friend or even a best friend. Yeah. Um, but unless like you're related to somebody, like she worked in a culturally black workplace. Yeah. So there were just things that she like 
you know, incidental learning that I think that she had logged a lot of that time before I even got to her. Yeah. So, um, the way that we talk, like I asked her the other night, like, because I code switch usually like when I talk, the way I talk to my family is like probably a little bit different than the way I'm talking to you guys. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, but the way that I talk to my wife is the way I talk to my family. Like I call her the N word all the time. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I was like, I was trying to ask her, I was like, do you remember like when I started talking to you like someone that I knew intimately and not yeah. some, like not just like a random white person, like she couldn't remember. Yeah. Cause I like said something like somebody was tripping or something. And like, I, that's not something I would say to like yeah. one of my white friends. But yeah. like, I say that to her cause like we speak the same language. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point you bring up, like the difference between for white women or, or white people who mm-hmm. um, might think that they're woke to a level, yeah. but there one there's always like so much that that you don't know it. So I I feel like a lot of us are raised um, it, or where I was mm-hmm. raised. I was raised outside of Buffalo for the most part, and you're taught that oh everybody's the same. Which and is the opposite of what? Correct. <laughs> yeah, and that's not so. And that's like the good. That's the good. Good intention. intention yeah, to have. is like, saying that everybody is yeah. is the same, and what they should specify is that like we're all like everybody should be worthy at like a human mm-hmm. level and treated with the same amount of respect and dignity and those kind of things the same, mm-hmm. but. No, but what like, everyone there are differences. One is just erasure of like exactly. yes, backgrounds and, and it makes it sound yeah. like differences aren't good. Yeah, and yeah. there there are so many differences, and you learn that um, you know as mm-hmm. you go through your life. And I remember when I when I was living in Atlanta, and for the, that was the first time that um, you know. I was usually one of the few white people mm-hmm. um, in the spaces I was in. And it was a huge learning curve for me. And also like a big, like learning about never having to see myself as how other people see white people. Mm-hmm. Like for one, I didn't know how, uh, how nosy we are. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're the worst. Oh, they, they, yeah. were, they were like, <laughs> finally someone was just like, why I like, why would you say that? Or why would you ask that? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, you don't, that's not a question you ask someone. I was like, it's not. Yeah. Like, you are so nosy. I'm like, but all the, all the white people I know do <laughs> yeah. this, Ugh. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's the, a lot of unlearning that has to happen as yeah. we, like, I feel like, well, I, I think that white people who self identify as woke are often, that's a not problem. like, yeah. Those. <laughs> Those are the ones that I'm like, oh, my radar. Like, I clock those people. I'm like, I'm going to keep an eye on you because I think you're going to say something fucked up pretty soon. Yeah. And it almost always happens. Um, But But, yeah, like the whole cultural proximity versus consuming black culture are completely different things. Totally different. You know? And I think that's that's the, I think that's where people, white people who self-identify as woke are doing it because they've consumed a lot of black culture, but they are not in cultural proximity, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think is a, are two distinctions that white people have a problem making. Yeah. And like one thing I'm very, um, 
uh, attuned to is like on social media or like just in life. Like I'll be like, okay, like I have friends that I know that I would consider a friend and I'm sure they would consider me a friend. But then I look at like their vacation pictures or their birthday parties or their weddings, like most important things to them. And it's an all white space. And I'm like, that to me is a red flag Mm -hmm. because even the, like the biggest allies are like still operating in supremely white spaces. Yeah. That's number one. And then number two, which is sort of similar to what you were saying, Sarah, is that like people who are woke a lot of times or like feel like they have like this entree into black culture, it's usually based on like interactions with like one or two or three black people. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I find very comforting and secure about being around my wife is that her knowledge of black culture is not built around just me. Like she isn't like, oh, black all black people must do this thing because Lauren does this thing. Cause she has hundreds of, you know, and thousands of black interactions to yeah. build, uh, things off of. Like, I wouldn't ever assume that what you do is something that all white people did uh-huh. yeah. because I live in a world that is white. So like, I understand that like white people are different and have nuances and like some things are similar and some things are not. Yeah. And I think that the pitfall that some people fall into white people fall into is like, Oh, well my like, black step cousin really likes Drake. So like Drake must be super popular. It's like mm-hmm. Drake is popular, but it's not like a black thing or whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. So that proximity is what helps people build like a full understanding that like, Oh, like people are different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this, I'm basing this on a lot of, a lot more, uh, data, let's say than just like a couple people. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's kind of like the Buzzfeed effect of like, Consuming a cult, consuming parts of a culture, and then not considering everything else. You know what I mean? Like, I just I feel like BuzzFeed has this way. I, I always I I bring that up often because I have kind of a problem with the way that they uh, tend to. First of all, they tend to post like tweets and things by people, and then not give them any credit for it. Yeah, like they kind of they kind of take elements of black culture, like like language and like uh like trends and things that are cool and like and then turn around and use that language to be like cool you know what i mean like they'll say like I'll it's s- lit and you look at it as a fucking white girl that wrote the article or like that or, kind of thing i don't know it's like the gif reactions yeah yes, gif reactions like it's digital blackface yes. digital blackface yeah i yes i think that, that that's something, something that should a, be addressed yeah, li- amongst the white people of twitter like, yeah PSA listeners, yeah. yeah. If, yeah. if you find yourself only posting uh, gifts of black women and black men mm-hmm. reacting to things, there's uh, I forgot where there was an article was that came Teen out. Vogue, I think. Teen Vogue, yeah, it had mm-hmm. a great piece about digital blackface. And Teen Vogue is doing some of the best work, yeah. right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I think that that's something that's that's interesting that, and that should be kind of drilled down on because yeah, I just think there's there's a, you can. I think you can be a courteous cultural guest without having to like co-opt everything and spit it back out as your own. I don't know. And also it's not, and it's not like it's coming from a place of like, I own this and you can't participate because it's not fair. My, my, the place that I'm coming from. And I think that like the real critique people have with cultural appropriation in, in those instances is is like, I have a huge problem with people using African-American vernacular English AKA Ebonics mm-hmm. and like Instagram captions and stuff because I don't care that you use AABE. I do care if you use it incorrectly because you don't understand that it has a grammatical scru- structure to it because it's like a lesser dialect. And I also have an issue with it because it's like, okay, if I do like 
let's say I'm Native American and I have a Native American name and all these like cultural things that mean a lot to me that have negatively affected my ability to get jobs mm-hmm. or assimilate into like mainstream culture. And like yeah. if I use African-American vernacular English in an email, I'm not going to get a job interview. So it's like you don't get to use things that in white society work to my disadvantage. Yeah. Yes. That is the, that is, that is the main thing. It's not like you just don't get to use it because you're not cool. It's because like, if you do like, you know, if you say it, it's cool. But if I do it, it makes me lose money and, um, standing in social access. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think, I think it's, I'm sure that that's always, I know that's always been a thing of white people being like, well, why can't I say it? But like the internet really brings it out and it's so clearly illustrated now, especially like certain things that trend on Twitter. Um, Like remember when uh, Thanksgiving with black families trended on Twitter and all I saw were like white people stepping in, first of all, like feigning offense to, to the, like, the whole like season your food thing and mm-hmm. they're like well what do you mean we don't season our food it's like can you shut the fuck can you fucking stop can just you just like, like not involve yourself <laughs> like it's so yeah. it's infuriating and it's interesting too because it's always it's almost always like a well-intended white girl who has kind of one of those not all white people things to say and it's like i you're not helping yeah. you are literally illustrating the point here i don't know i just i get i get a lot of internet uh, I I get really angry on the internet at specific instances like that of white of always oh usually white women stepping in with like their their two cents or like it's a very it's a thing that I've noticed on social media specifically Twitter where it's like there's this phenomenon I think where white women simply have to be involved in something is that a thing like is that like am I am I imagining that but I I oh, really yeah, feel totally. like I'm like okay why. It's like they just they have to step in and like take a little bit of something or like why can't I be involved? Why why am I not invited? It's like it's it's not it just you don't not everything is for you. Well, not that, everything is to be thing. consumed by you. When Beyonce came out with formation, with formation yeah. and a lot of white women were like, eh, and it's like, well, no, this isn't it. for you. Yeah. 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 And, and I thought then, Saturday Live okay. did a great uh yes. Oh my god. That was perfect. Yeah, that was a good sketch. But yeah, that's that's kind of like that's something that I've noticed that I think has been amplified mm-hmm. by by Twitter and by social media. So bringing that back to relationships mm-hmm. and obviously me not being a a black woman, but I I feel like when it comes to interracial relationships, I don't know, I would imagine uh that sometime or that most of the time obviously the the burden is on the person of color, mm-hmm. <laughs> of maybe dealing with white person bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I I was talking to my wife a little bit about it, like coming into this episode, and I'm like, how much how much white person bullshit do you put up with from me? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, not a lot. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> she's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's like, I can't think of anything, but but I'm like, I know it's got to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there are some things like like my my fa- my family my family is great. Um, my dad makes inappropriate jokes. Like once referred to her as a migrant worker Ooh, when no, she was no, babysitting no. my nephews. No, it, he he made a cool. joke about migrant labor being cheaper. And, oh, and, and and actually, my mom got very upset about that, and she's yeah. like, "That's not funny." And we should uh, give her some background on your parents. They're not together, but they are. Yeah, they're, and her they're, dad's French. My dad's French, and he thinks he's hilarious and makes a lot of inappropriate 
white oh, old man God. jokes and I do not find any of them funny. And, yeah. uh, but, but stuff like that. And, you know, Cecilia will laugh it off in the, in the moment, but then afterwards I circle back with her. I mean, I call it out and I, then I apologize mm-hmm. and say, you know, obviously that, that wasn't cool. I'm sorry that that made you feel mm-hmm. anything. And she'll be like, yeah, that did make me a little bit uncomfortable. That wasn't, you know, that, but I know he, I know he likes me, loves me, doesn't, mean bad I'm like that doesn't make it okay you know whereas like there's not really any equivalent to that that I you know that I'm getting from her family there's no weird awkward moments for like I never have to feel awkward for being white well, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's kind of, I think, baked into white privilege in general. It's that, I know. Like, every space that we go in, by default, we are granted access in a way or yeah, it's like you can be at a restaurant that's like with 24 of her relatives, but yeah. like the world you're still living in yeah. is a white world and it's like a white space. So it's like not the stakes are lower. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we went to go watch um, the World Cup, Peru and the World Cup, and we went to this Peruvian restaurant and I was literally like the only white person there and everyone was Peruvian, but there wasn't anything that, you know, but we don't feel, was, we, yeah, we don't, we, by virtue of white privilege, don't, don't have to feel that sense of anxiety of like being the only person in the room. Like, yeah. You know, it's just not, it's not something that we deal with. And it's interesting watching white people grapple with that and not be able to accept it. Cause like we can't accept, you know, we, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch people struggle with just simply acknowledging privilege. Cause it's just not, yeah. It's not something that we're ever really confronted with. Yeah. And especially when we, like, I come from the Midwest. I grew up in Nebraska, and I, everyone that I grew up with chose, you know, has stayed, for the most part, stayed there in that kind of insular, you know, that insular world where white supremacy is not something that they think about, which is a symptom of mm-hmm. white supremacy. It's like yeah. it all it circles back, and they don't even realize yeah. they're proving my point when they say things like, well, I don't see color. It's like, Okay. Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> right. Or they you know? start to equate their own personal problems as a lack of privilege mm-hmm. without acknowledging that privilege is benefiting from institutions and structures and yes. laws and yeah. systems yeah. that are irrelevant and unrelated to your personal struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So like I can I can be having a bad day, but I can still operate from a place of being privileged as a cisgender person or right. from class privilege or from educational privilege, even if I personally am like, Oh, I got to see you today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that is the, the, yeah, the hard negotiation to make with people that aren't able to. Yeah. And that's definitely a hard one for straight cis people to, you know, like, like when I have to kind of explain a little bit to my straight friends that, you know, one of the reasons I don't go home often is because I can kind of, I get this very palpable, like someone's kind of standing on my chest when I'm in the Midwest because Mm -hmm. I present as a very like masculine, butch, like dykey woman. Yeah. And there aren't any, there are no fucking gay people there. So it's like me, I I stick out like a sore thumb and I get the weird looks and public restrooms are a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I've been, I've literally been shouted at by women in restrooms and like, this is a lady's room. And then they realize and I'm usually very so I find myself using and then you this flash your boobs. I I mean I have fucking D boobs. Like I'm I'm I think I present as a cisgender woman, but yeah. 
to people in the Midwest who don't ever don't ever see any kind of I'm like that's, a fucking freak to them. Yeah. yeah, they don't see anything that's not. So I I do find myself as a defense mechanism um, in a restroom if I say like, oh, excuse me or whatever. I use a, a sort of a little bit more of a feminine voice that I can that I reserve for spaces where I'm like, I need to make it known in some way that I'm a woman because then it's gonna be a it's gonna be a thing for even for a moment. I actually have a little bit of a vocal. It's like, um, it's not really vocal fry, but it's like a slightly, high, like a slightly yeah. more feminine. I, I don't know if that's an octave or whatever the word would be for that, but yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's sort of a, a weird defense thing that I have to kick on. And then, but yeah, like that's something that's hard to explain to like heteronormative cis presenting women, particularly that I can't just like slide into any space without expecting a little bit of reaction totally. in certain yeah. parts of the country. And even it's happened here, too. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. kind of depends. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I, I was thinking about um, in New York, and I don't know if this is a product of being in New York, but I feel like I know more interracial queer couples mm-hmm. than I do straight couples. And I looked into it and <laughs> actually based on the 2010 census um UCLA analyzed it that uh same sex couples uh 20.6% um couples were interracial or interethnic compared to 18.3% of straight unmarried couples and 9.5% of straight married couples. Oh okay. That is yeah, that makes sense. That is a thing. Yeah. Um, and, but I was like, I didn't know if it was really a thing or it was just me living in New York, but I feel like so many of the queer couples I know, like half of them are, 
uh, an that, interracial that's Here's me. my yes. explanation for that. I think it's because if you're queer, you're already operating outside of the like normal structure, mm-hmm. like escalator of sure. like, relationships. Yeah. So to if you're already like left of center as far as like being attracted to someone that isn't the heteronormative gender identity, yeah. then it's not so far of a leap to be like, also this person is culturally different from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my way of explaining it. But that also shocks me in a lot of ways. Cause I find gay spaces to be some of the most segregated and racially, um, separated and often racist spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Especially like for men, like on Grinder with like uh, no white Asians, gay men, are. no yeah. blacks, no fats, uh, no whatever. Yeah. And um, I, I definitely, I, I don't know if I, I, my sister is in an interracial gay relationship as well. Um, I'm trying to think of any. I know a couple, and I think it's changing too. But I do find that interesting because back when I was single and dating, like I would never expect that like a white woman would ever hit on me like at Stonewall or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that just was not ever going to happen. Even bisexual, um, queer black women. I know mm-hmm. when they're, when they date men, they date white men. Okay. And I always thought that I was- have actually, yeah, I've got a few friends that have dated white men that don't, yeah, I, I've 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 definitely seen that. Um, the the issue of racism within the gay male community is something that I had fucking no idea about until seeing. Some I learned that when I lived in Atlanta. Grinder profile, like yeah. Grinder, for some reason, is like a very, it's like a it's a kind of a destructive place to be. Yeah, and I just I I frankly I don't have a lot of gay male friends. I have a few, but I never quite realize how kind of just out there the the racism and, and uh, kind of body shaming a little bit that happens mm-hmm. in that community. Sure. Kind of like I kind of like that sort of tracks with me. Like you know, gay men tend to be a little bit more on the sort of they're visual creatures, you know. And, but it's like, but I, I but that's see... that's definitely an issue that I think doesn't get explored within yeah. because you know I think that the lens of gay rights is often the inst- and stories about gay struggles over the years are always told through the lens of white men. Yeah. And I, I would be interested to kind of drill down more of like interracial relationships within that community and how maybe the numbers might differ in women or, or, you know, feminine presenting people. So when I lived in Atlanta, I found I was surprised. I didn't know or expect how segregated the city was going to be that it was way more, you know, in, in New York, it's a lot more integrated than Mm -hmm. most cities, but in Atlanta, you would go to some places and it would either be 95% black or 95% white. Mm -hmm. And other than the workplace, the workplace was one of the most integrated places, thankfully that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but, gay bars were the only bars that I would go to where I would see people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races mixed together. So I always kind of thought that the gay community was a lot more inclusive overall. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that it was just because there are limited gay bars. So we're all together. (laughs) But within the gay bar, there's some stuff going on that's not... Yeah, Like there's this party I used to go to um, every once in a while, a girl party here in New York called Truck Stop, where it was like, it was so fun. That's a cool name. I haven't um, heard about that, but I'm like, (laughs) they would have these like, it was 
It had the thing that I liked about it, which in hindsight is probably bad. It had all the trappings of like a very heteronormative, like it was like if you went to like a bar where you could get bottle service and all this stuff, but it was like all lesbians. Oh, Oh, wow. But, and it was like so fun and the crowd was very diverse, but all the like go-go dancers and like cocktail waitresses and stuff, like the hot women that were like there, they'd like Uh dance on the tables and stuff. They were all white all mm. very femme, oh. um, almost like very like you were. They were not like clockable as gay women, and I don't yeah. think that they were. But like they were yeah. all white women, and I was like, that is indicative of the like erasure and also very white centered mm-hmm. um, gaze of the lesbian community. Yeah, in yeah. The time. yeah, yeah. That's I. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. Yeah, it, or or I, maybe it was a situation where it's like. These are the girls that work at this club, you know, or like it's whatever. Possible. Yeah, yeah, but still, that is that's very that's very telling. And it's in like that kind of space. even like every pride. Like I don't really go to the Dyke March because I'm like, eh, but I do go to Color Me Queer, which is like run by like the Desi gays. But it's like we're all mm. the like black, brown, Asian, mm-hmm. everybody queers sort of gather because that weekend is still so largely like really yeah. white. Really white and, and I think really male too. Like yeah. I kind of feel yeah. like pride is like. Well, that's why I like the, I went to the Dyke March for the first time this year and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, just because it was, I mean, it was kind of everyone representing every, like abolish ice was the biggest theme that's at great. the Dyke yeah. March this year. Um, so it was cool to, to see that. And then to also, I mean, there were some, um, some men, um, and also trans men at mm-hmm. the Dyke March, which was good, but a lot of them were um, also like on the sidewalks with signs of support, and yeah. that was also cool That's to awesome. see because you usually don't see and very few, but there were a few gay men that were there with signs on the sidewalk supporting the the Dyke March, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me realize how little of that there is mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah. Um, you were talking about Atlanta. I I went to Chicago a couple weeks ago, yeah. And for a sit, Chicago, the population of Chicago is like thirty two percent black, yeah. And I I found myself in Chicago thinking like this this is the most fucking segregated city I've ever been in because I would look around and it was I'm telling you one hundred percent white in yeah. like restaurants and bars and like yeah. entire neighborhoods and I found myself really uncomfortable there because it's like it's it's uncomfortable to me to be in a space that is that like that's how homogenous and one. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how is this possible that these cities have just like, or these pockets of these cities are so intentionally, I think intentionally so fucking white. And I'm like, I so think, those are probably cities for, uh, that would make interracial dating harder. Right. I'm sure. Like yeah. I can't imagine. Cause it's just like, so it's so glaringly obvious outside yeah. of New York how this all tends to work. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, also being in New York, the fact that um, there are like a lot of Peruvian restaurants mm-hmm. and um, that, you know, because Cecilia was the first Peruvian woman that I'd ever been with. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of introduced me to all that. But if we lived in, you know, Buffalo, uh, <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the yeah, case, and we right. wouldn't she wouldn't be able to kind of share that part um, of her life with me. Which, like, one Peruvian food is amazing, and I can't yeah. believe I'd gone my whole life uh, <laughs> not eating it. But um, I mean, I I love that 
part of her so yeah. much. Um, and I love, uh, I love that she speaks Spanish. And an interesting thing was that her, her ex uh, did not like when she spoke Spanish in the it's house. Kind of shitty. Yeah. <laughs> what? And would get annoyed and would also be annoyed. Um, so when I asked her about the white bullshit question, mm-hmm. she was like, honestly, like compared to my last relationship where I just felt like whenever my Latinist came out that I was being judged for it. So when she would get like excited and loud or whatever that her, mm-hmm. her ex would be like, don't do that. Or, and when she would talk Spanish, she would get annoyed. I'm like, I love it when you speak Spanish, speak and, Spanish. Yeah, yeah. and when I hear you talk to your family on the phone and you, you know, uh, Aww. Talk to them the way you talk to them. It's it's great. Like you you light up in in a different way, and that's like such a part of yeah. who you are. And I love to to see that and be exposed to that. Yeah. And uh, did you and your wife yeah. meet in in New York? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is she from? Where is she from? She's from New York. Okay. Um, and so she grew up mostly between here and Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's that's probably a crucial component of you know. I don't know. I just, I feel like someone from New York, people from New York are just like different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of, it's something that I noticed when I moved here. Cause I moved here from a ex- extremely white, like pretty conservative, not necessarily a conservative family, but yeah, it's like people that grow up here are just yeah. so much like more able to culturally kind of like get it. And even know? if you don't like, even if you don't interact, like even if your social circle, your family circle is still largely like white or whatever Mm -hmm. ethnic or racial background you have in New York, you can't walk out the door without interacting with Mm -hmm. like somebody that's different or even being just around them. So like the way that there are still racists in New York, there are still bigots in New York, there's still all those things, but there is something different in the way that those racists and bigots have that bigotry because of the they can't isolate themselves from different people. So like I notice when I go home to St. Louis, if I walk into like a restaurant, which is also very segregated, if I walk into a restaurant that's like mostly white people with like my mom and my sisters, I can tell that the way that white people look at black people in St. Louis is different than the way that white people in New York or New Jersey look at black people because they've just seen more. Even if they've never spoken to one, they are, they are used to seeing me in the wild. Whereas in certain (laughs) places in St. Louis, like, Oh my God, like they found us, you know? Yeah. Because they don't have to ride the subway with people that look different than right. them. They don't have to. Karina go to school just spent the summer in the Midwest, them. so yeah. it feels like she's had. A, it's really, yeah. it really yeah. is. I'm like, I can see in their eyes Ugh. the way that they are looking at me differently. It's either a pa- place of like supreme, like um, white paternalistic pity or fear or just surprise or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, but that is not in the faces of the people that live here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's how, really. How are you and your wife kind of received publicly in St. Louis versus? Um, or even Connecticut, I guess, you know, like it's well is, in is Connecticut, Connecticut like conservative. No, that's like yes, liberal. It's pretty liberal, but like she lives in a very, but it's conservative. Like, right. Yeah. She lives in like a very rural, like wealthy area. Okay. So like, yeah. when I am in the town, I'm like, I know that I and my father-in-law's like home health aide, who's Jamaican. I'm like all the black people in this town are in this house. <laughs> yeah. I know that with certainty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like in, I would say the most like, um, 
outward reactions we've gotten from people have happened in New York. Like one time we're on the bus on the Upper East Side and like, I think I just like laid my head on her shoulder and this like old white woman behind us was like, if you're trying to shock people, it's not working. And I was like, <laughs> well, number one, obviously what? it is. Uh, oh, number the two, Upper East Side. No. Um, so oh, I, wow. I, I don't racist think old I've, ladies in the Upper East Side. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I've in, oh really experienced that. She's come to St. Louis a couple times. Yeah. Um, but and also we both present a straight, so it's like kind of a tough sell. Like we could be like full on making out and people would still be like, I think they're best friends. Like yeah. people it's really hard for people yeah. to understand yeah. and accept that we are a couple. Oh yeah. Because, because they have these layers to get has through. To, like their brain he, tries to dodge it. And yeah. You don't get the fashion. sisters thing. No, because we're different. Yeah. Right. So, right. We get so then your best friends, best yeah. friends, like it's, it's funny, like the mental gymnastics people have to go through. They'll go out of their way. Yeah. And like, that's why it was really tough for me being engaged because fiance is such an ambiguous word. That's why mm-hmm. I love oh, saying my yeah, wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even then, like people are like, oh, you know, like your wife, like, you know, when people are being married on Facebook to like their sorority oh my sisters, God. like I, it just like, it really yeah. is. I have people, to pitch my marriage right. to people. And multiple times. Yes. Time. Multiple yeah. times I've been asked if I live with my wife. It happened again <gasps> at the wedding. People are like, oh, you live together? They're, they're like, yes, we're spouses. We're yeah. married. I had, I had been talking about my wife <laughs> all weekend, and this this guy who was like really cool and you know like raised by artists in upstate New York. Right. He he said, oh, so do you live with your partner? I'm like, my wife. Yeah. Yes, yes. we share a residence. Yes. We live together. We live together. Yeah. That's a thing. Because no one it's would so ever ask bizarre. a woman and a man that. No. Ever. Never. Oh, my God. That's so funny. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the sisters thing, the the best friend thing is like, it's like they, they get through these levels mm-hmm. yeah. before they actually, they realize, and uh-huh. you can see like the smoke coming out of their brains. Yes, like, yeah. But yeah, that that I imagine would be having the added layer of like an interracial present, like yeah. to present yeah. people with an interracial couple is just it's so just, like, yeah. yeah, we get hit on together like sometimes by like really? dudes. And so like two dudes will come up and start talking to us and like, yeah. we'll just be nice like or yeah. whatever. And then they'll say, how do you guys know each other? And we'll say we're married. And then they disappear. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just disintegrate. They're just like, uh, they melt. Oh, oh no. They literally melt, and all you have is a, a pile of their clothes. Like trousers yeah. of like a, yeah. a, a blazer, like, a sport yeah. coat. Some seersucker. shirt. Yeah. Some vans. And like an and Android some, phone. And yeah. just like drops <laughs> to the ground. Uh. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Oh, my God. I love that. So one thing I, I didn't uh, ever think about too much, except uh, Keisha Zoller is a hilarious, talented comedian. She's great. And she was in a serious, very serious medical situation mm-hmm. and her husband is white and she, the doctors would not listen to her and it, it was like a, a life Ugh. or death situation. Yeah. And she had to tell her husband, like, you use your, your white man privilege and mm-hmm. you tell these doctors that they need to operate on me right now. Something's yeah. wrong. And, that, uh, that's- and that's when they decided to take her seriously the the whole time um and i wonder like i don't know like it, it was just something I, yeah. I never thought about and yeah well as, wielding as, privilege to help someone else is off like sometimes yeah. that is necessary and i it i can't believe because that reminds me of like the serena williams story about how her, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's 
Like even a wildly wealthy, mm-hmm. famous black woman. It does not. It truly it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Living in a black body. Like I can tell when somebody just doesn't see me as a person. Like people literally don't see me. Um, and like to the point that like they'll walk into me or like my yeah. wife even pointed out to me once. Like I've thankfully not had that because I remember when that happened to Keisha. I haven't had yeah. it in that dire of a circumstance. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, at number one, I just don't hail cabs anymore. If I'm with my wife, she knows she gets the cab. I'm yeah, not doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it because they're not going to stop for me. Yep. If I go to a bar, my wife noticed like w- a couple years into us dating, she'd be like, oh, I'll just go get our drinks because they ignore me for much longer. Like they'll, the bartender will go around, like do a loop and just never acknowledge or yeah. ask me anything. Yeah. And she's seen that happen so many times that I didn't even know it was happening. She clocked it happening. Yeah. Because she was like, that never happens to me. Have you found that she often will identify things like that? Like, or are you like, or is it kind of even of like you sort of knowing? It's pretty even. And I think we have like a shorthand. Like we now know like what, like I know like she doesn't like talking on the phone. So like I'll order food for us. But if it's like a front facing thing where like white privilege, like if it's a restaurant and it's like me, her and my sister's going to brunch, she'll go in and ask for a table because mm. we're going to get a table quicker than if I go in or my sisters go in. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, but it's like not even a discussion anymore. It's just like, okay. Oh, you do. Yeah. 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 Like, that was my other question very, is if you actually, I, if you acknowledge it verbally or if it's just kind of like, we know, we know yeah. it's like yeah. the same, it's just, you know, yeah, you just know. Yeah. I mean, Cecilia, like, looks a little bit more European. Like, she's Mm -hmm. Peruvian, but um, half of her family is of European uh, descent. So we don't have anything, like, that's that um, Mm -hmm. pronounced uh, of a difference in terms of, like, how people treat us. How she can kind of present. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she she does have that privilege that she doesn't um, present necessarily as, like, overtly um, South American. Yeah. But there are situations like going to political protests and stuff like that where where sometimes I'm like, you need to be very careful um, yes. and interactions because like you can't get arrested because you're applying for a green card mm-hmm. and you can also be detained and people are going to target you mm-hmm. and think that you're a troublemaker more than more than me. they would you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's another thing I wish that white people understood, especially in, in the hashtag resist era is <laughs> that our privilege can be wielded in such a, a useful way because there's also a big difference in how much trouble we're allowed to get into totally. and how yeah. much trouble we're allowed to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I can say, I could probably tell a cop to fuck off. Yeah. In yeah. some cases. And, and I maybe would never. Not, and you, never. Ever. Like, and that's like, yeah. that is such a palpable, like serious element of privilege. And I, and I'm, I would be interested to see how that, or to hear from you, how that factors into your relationship as far as like, if you're in public and something fucked up happens or, you know, or they're just like, you know, someone's, you have like a customer service issue somewhere or something like that because I imagine there is a very big difference in the way you're received by some totally. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like like a restaurant manager, mm-hmm. like a I don't know, like someone at if you call Verizon or if you're if you're like at a at a store, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Definitely. Like I've had a couple instances where we once we were at a Black Lives Matter protest mm-hmm. and the police showed up and they started like grabbing people and she and I were both like we need to leave because like Mm -hmm. they're not going to grab her they're going to grab me and I'm just not trying to do that and we were in a situation um, a couple years ago where we got pulled over in a car in in an Uber and it was me my friend who's a black man and my wife and my 
friend uh, who's his now wife who's white. Mm-hmm. And so, and the driver had like a low cap on. He was white, but he kind of looked like it, we were in Miami. It was yeah. in Florida. It was like one o'clock in the morning. It was very scary. And I had to tell my wife who like, likes to pop off sometimes. Like yeah. she can pitch a fit. I was like, do not say anything because yeah. you have two black people in this car yeah. and they're not going to receive it well from you. And who like, who knows? Yeah. Um, so like, those are conversations that we have like where it's like, she does pitch a fit mm-hmm. and sometimes she'll choose to be like, I'm going to go say something because I can throw a fit and you yeah. can't. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, you're throwing a fit is actually going to hurt both of us. Right. Just cause I'm here. Just by association. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's definitely something to be like fully aware of. Um, But I do think that that's like, that is such an interesting element of privilege that I've had to like figure out on my own is like, oh, the fact that I'm even considering saying no to this, saying no to a cop or no to a security guard or like I've in the way that I'm allowed to just sort of sail through those Mm -hmm. situations. Yeah. Like I walked past a checkpoint one time at, the subway, because you know how sometimes they do the the cops are like when they check bags, and a cop flagged me down and I said no, and I just kept walking. Yeah. And then I thought about it later that day because I was in a fucking hurry. Yeah, I thought about it later that day. And I'm like that would have not gone. It would not have. It would have gone. Only the wrong reason way. I got away would have been in cops. White. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You, and yeah. I get infuriated. Like um, I didn't go to the women's march cause, just because like the way it started, I was like, I don't feel. Mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't really my. I was like, I'm gonna let the white people do this one. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw someone on Instagram at the women's march, a white woman, and she was standing on top of a cop car, like holding a sign and all this stuff. And I was like, that made me Could angry. You, yeah. Because I was like, that was such um. Uh, an ignorant display of privilege. Like she didn't realize that she was actually behaving as part of the problem in that moment because her performance, her performative allyship like veered so far out of control that she was now doing something that was like putting the people that were around her Mm -hmm. in a bad spot. And like, so like it was just like not realizing that like, I'm so white and female that like I truly I can stand on a cop yeah. car, but yeah. none of these undocumented people that are participating, right? Yeah. Like that's not an option. Literally yeah. anyone who isn't white and, and female that's not in a that good moment. use of yeah. your privilege, right? Plus, because right. that makes the march then seem like it's chaotic and a, a riot and all this stuff. You yeah, know? like yeah, yeah. it's it, just not. It was problematic smart. how how much people in the march were patting themselves on the back for how there were no arrests. At the market, yeah. I'm and it's like, like, that's not because really, of your it's behavior. Not you. that's, yeah. It's because you're white. And it's like, yeah. that is a problem with your thinking because yeah. then you think that the people that get, that get arrested at black protests deserve, deserve it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was so infuriating. It's, yeah, and it's, but it's illuminating. So, too. It yeah. is. Yeah. Sure. It truly is. And like, I really make myself, I go out of my way to like have those difficult conversations with friends and even acquaintances yeah. to be like, because I know that they're That's trying kind of their you. best. That's very kind of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to point you to the problem mm-hmm. because you don't know. Yeah. And it's you are well-intentioned. Yeah. But intent doesn't equal equal outcome. And here's where you're a little yeah. bit off the mark. Yeah. 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 And that, I imagine that takes a lot of emotional energy to, totally. to sort of, you know, guide a horse to water kind of thing. Like, I can't hold your hand through this entire process, yeah. you know? And, and you shouldn't, and you don't, and you don't have to, you know? Like, that's... Yeah, like what, like like try, kind of sort of finding that area that you're comfortable with of how much how much do I need to how much emotional energy do I need to totally. spend right now? Um, yeah, I imagine that's like kind of a process of finding your comfort spot with that. But but yeah, the women the women's march do, did really illustrate some because I think I think another thing that specifically white women don't acknowledge enough is how much our distress 
how much damage a distressed white woman can cause yes. to anybody yes. she wants. Yeah. Not just like, and it's never, um, I, like white women don't display distress in a, in an innocent way ever. It's never innocent. They're always trying to get someone in trouble and I think that we, and I use like sort of the That's royal we as a, a white woman, even yeah. though I'm not a, even though I am sort of marginalized a little, like I still have a ton of privilege. I'm yeah. not, but uh, white women's tears are such yes. a fucking weapon yeah. and they have been throughout history. And yeah. I, ju- and I, and I, that's, that's probably the one thing that I wish I, I could. mean, it, it's gotten men hung. Yes. It's got men, until, like, until yeah. was brutally murdered. And that is and still that a story. Was not telling the truth. No, she, she even admitted said, yeah. she, after a long life that she lived, she conveniently uh, towards the end of her life. Oops. I was lying. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's, and I and I that's one thing that I do appreciate about the internet and about Twitter and about how things do go viral is that all of a sudden these women who are calling the cops on mm-hmm. people are basically getting like shamed. a joke like yeah. are are being humiliated online and I think yeah. humiliation and shame are an important tool in that way. Um, yeah, I just oh my god, it's I, a yeah, it's a I have a couple women that I follow on Instagram that do this thing where they like record um men who cat call them and like cat calling is awful and a mm-hmm. bad thing but it's the same problem i had with that video that went viral a couple years ago where it's like all the men in the video were men of color yeah and i had to have mm-hmm. a difficult conversation with a friend um who had like who was like yelling at a man who had cat called her and recording it and I, he was a uh, latino i believe and like i was like that's a misuse of your privilege sometimes you have to weigh the like pros and cons mm-hmm. and that's where intersectionality comes in and that's yeah. when it starts to be those tough conversations with yourself where it's like I have to relinquish my privilege even when it is uncomfortable for yeah. me yeah. because you him catcalling you is gonna cause like a certain amount of damage to your psyche mm-hmm. you screaming at him in the middle of uh, 72nd street and saying he did something bad to you might cause more damage to that yeah. man than the damage that he caused to you cat calling. So you have to do that yeah. tricky math yeah. sometimes yeah. of deciding, am I going to use my privilege as a weapon against another marg- a marginalized person, even yes. though I'm a marginalized person in the situation, especially yeah. if it's possible that cops could become involved because yes. I, I don't think that in its take and in, in full disclosure, I come from a family of police officers. So I was raised in this, First of all, in a very white, obviously, environment. Not not only that, but to believe that cops were always righteous in what they did. Mm-hmm. Because my dad and my grandpa and my cousin and my fucking uncle and everybody. And to unlearn that, and now I live on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like, I don't trust any motherfuckers. <laughs> I like absolutely despise them. But like, you have to understand that if you're even in the proximity of police and if they could possibly become involved in something, that could be a death sentence for someone. For somebody. Somebody who doesn't look like me. Yes. Like, and it is, they are, and, and white people, specifically white women who weaponize the cops, I just mm-hmm. wish, there has to be a punishment but for that. But they, and it should be, and because the thing is, some of them, they do know that and they do it anyway. And it's yeah. like, just because yeah. someone is bad, annoying, breaking the law, Making even, you, that yeah. doesn't, does, make them deserve to be executed. Right. Yeah. And that is a real possibility. And shitty people can be shitty and still yeah. not deserve to die. Your, your the, annoyance, like the, co- I, so, I forgot who it was. I wish I remembered who wrote this. Someone wrote, it was a tweet or a piece or something where basically they're saying like, the police are not your customer service line. They are. To yes. white people and yes. white women. 
this is where I go back to the thing about white people being nosy. Mm-hmm. It's just like mind your own business. Like yeah. if you're mind your fucking business. You're, you're not an extension of law enforcement. So unless yeah. you see someone that's about to like harm somebody, like I don't like give a shit. Like you're not harming harm. them by being around them. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. If if I see if I I mean the I can't even I for me to call the police it would have to be a pretty pretty bad thing happening but like you unless someone is active like that whole break well they were breaking the law like law abiding because law abiding is code for white mm-hmm. when someone says like well a law abiding citizen, citizen that's a white that's person. a dog whistle so someone breaking the law I don't give a fuck if someone's I don't care if you're smoking crack I don't care if you're just like. As long as you're not actively hurting a person. If I called the cops every time alone. that I saw someone smoking crack in New York, let me I mean, tell you, yeah. or be on the phone anything. all the time. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Just let people yeah. live. Like, I don't, I don't, I just, I really wish that that was something, because I think that that's an element of white privilege that the well-intended, I more want to like reach out to like well-intended white people who just don't right. fully grasp these things yeah. of like, yeah. Here's what the police mean to you and I, and here's what the police mean to certainly mean to other people. Um, but yeah, that was like a big, that's been a huge element of my, uh, unlearning process of the last like five to, well, really since I've been in New York is that now I'm because of privilege in a position where I do pull out my phone. If I see it happened the other day, I was going to, uh, I was in Harlem and going to a friend's house and like for, there were people on the street, you know, it's like summer, it's loud. It's everyone's outside. It was a bunch of families outside in a, in a, like a Latin community, playing dominoes and having fun. And like, there was a bunch of shit and all of a sudden cop cars start coming in from either direction. And I thought, Oh, this is, and I literally pulled out my phone I was gonna say, yeah, and I started it. recording. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had my finger sort of hovering over the button, but like I stood there like this and I got up as close as I comfortably could to the cops and just stood there and they glared at me, but they didn't say anything to me because yeah. I wanted them to know I'm here watching you. Like, yeah. I feel like those are the things that we can do to That's what, uh, extend to like use that privilege yeah. and just be like, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm watching. Yeah. Like I will record. Cause that literally my instinct now, if I see police interacting with anyone is to record it, Absolutely. which just a plug for a uh, past guest. Elsa, Elsa Wade. Wade. Yeah. She does uh, cop watch training. Oh, cool. So you can hire her yeah. if you want to organize a workshop or a class about about that. And yeah. she's uh, really good at that. And well, I like what yeah. she said where she says, I don't want allies. I want comrades and accomplices. Totally. totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. That's important, too. You have to be willing to, like, get in a little trouble. Because yeah. If you us, haven't like, listened to that episode. It's negligible. Yeah. 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 Listen to the allies episode with Elsa. Yeah. If you're a new listener. It was great. Go back. Mm-hmm. She's a gem. All right. Uh, we need to. Have we veered too far off topic? A, li- a no, little no, bit. No, we need really, to wrap but, it up. But it does. But I think relationships. In relationships, though, that is an interesting part that I that I've never experienced, and that of having that balance of like who gets to do the thing in public, like who, yeah, which yeah. roles we each kind of take, and I think that's that can in queer relationships there there's a, an element of that I think, especially in relationships where one person is a little more masculine than the other, or like. I don't know. There's there's different ways of looking at that, but that is an interesting element of of an interracial relationship that I don't have to consider because I live in a privileged, you know, in a privileged space. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think beyond just being uh, friends with people of different races and different mm-hmm. cultures, being in in a relationship with someone of a different race or a different culture definitely 
um, I mean, I know for me, like forced me at a even deeper level to like, you know, the ordering drinks thing was never something that I would think about Mm -hmm. like with, with a friend, but if you're dating someone and like, you're, you're so much more like attuned to the emotions and everything else that person is going through. So recognizing it and then seeing what your role can be in the, the situation. And there's something about like, obviously a friendship versus a relationship where it's like, it's very You different. love your friends, but yeah. like you love this person, right. you know, and you're and all of a sudden you're like deeply in, connected to every single interaction that they have. Right. You know. And also it, even going further than that, it's like so my wife loves me and so she has a, a vested interest in mm-hmm. like black um lives because of me, but also yeah. because she's part of a black family now. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm part of a Jewish family now. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that like we like we live in a black household and she has black parents-in-law and sisters and cousins and all that stuff. So it becomes much more of a high stakes situation Yeah, in so many ways. Yeah. And that's, and that's probably something that can only really be, you can only get so far until you're in a relationship with someone and you know, yeah, that's, that's good. That's important. Yeah. All right. Do we have any listener letters for this episode? Uh, we do. We have a listener question. Um, I recently came out after being in a five-year relationship with a dude so All I'm right. telling you, we're turning. We've been getting so many uh, listener messages about leaving husbands, breaking up with yeah. boyfriends. I have more friends than I can count on my hand that have left their husbands for women. Uh, I know it's. Yay. I'm telling you, in the last few years, I've noticed that. That's like it's a revolution, but <laughs> it's evolution. Yeah, we get. Yeah, we we yes. get like we get our share of emails <laughs> that are like. This podcast. I was listening to this specific episode so and broke up with my boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. They should all read the book, Dear John, I Love Jane. It's a great book. Ooh. It's a short, like, short okay. essays about women that were in hetero relationships yeah. and discovered like either later in life or in long-term relationships that they were into women. It's a really great book. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's yeah. a great recommendation. Um, okay. I came out recently after a five-year relationship with a dude. I was seeing this girl for about a month. Oh, wait. Let me go back and say the subject line was girls are confusing. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we met on Bumble and I asked her out for a date immediately and she said yes. We went out a few times and things got sort of intense, of course. Uh, she told me last night that she wasn't looking for a relationship, question mark, uh, but she's still messaging me, wanting to hang out. Why is she being this way? What is the point of still talking to me if she doesn't oh, want God. a date and we are clearly on different <laughs> wavelengths? I guess my question is, what should I do? Be done with it and get back to dating or continue to try to be friends with her? Don't do the fr- uh, the f- lesbians and your friendships where you're, you like someone or you love someone. You can't just be friends with them if they don't return that. It's no. going to eventually... It's going to eventually create problems. Yeah, if, if you're both on the same page, like I know that uh, I, I have exes who went on dates with women and then neither of them were really feeling it and then they actually formed a friendship and that's normal. That's normal. But yeah. not like I'm in love with this person, this person told me no, so now yeah. we're friends is <laughs> no, not, that's no. not an gonna... even a level playing field. No. Yeah. And the fact that you met on Bumble, you met on something that is a, a romantic, pretext for dating. Exactly. You know, that's not, I think you should cut your ties with this one. I, I think do it's, yeah. think that this person um, has to sort of put themselves themselves back into the position of like, okay, what is dating like? And this new mm-hmm. dating situation is like pretty typical. Yeah. Whether oh, yeah. it is with a man or a woman. Yes. And like 
that's a relearning process if yeah. you've been in a relationship for, for five, five years. years. Yeah. So Getting you have back, to oof, adjust yeah. back to the dynamic <laughs> of being kind of disposable to people in a way. Like, or yeah. being like, they've got other people in the mix. You've got other people in the mix. Like, this woman may be like your only focus, but unfortunately, you're not hers. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's sort of dating around. And yeah. like, you're used to, like, I had to tell a friend that, like, um, you're, when you're used to having um, a spouse, or a long-term person, you cannot comfortably date someone that is used to dating around because you're mm-hmm. looking for a spouse, whether you mean to or not, like you're looking for a long, she's looking for that five-year feeling yeah. and that other woman is looking for a date. Yes. Yeah. And so they're not yeah. on the same, they're not on the same page. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's normal, unfortunately, for things to feel very intense, very fast with with women. Yes. Uh, that's a common thing. And then you might think, wait, I thought we were almost in love. Uh, but it, I thought you were my girlfriend now yeah. because we get along and that's like the only, yeah. Like, and it's you just know, not that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it, you also should not take any personal offense to not, to someone not being that into you. No, it's not an it indictment just means of it's you. Not right. Yeah. It's a just lot like, of matches aren't right. And it's definitely not right. If you're both not, into each other the same amount. Do not waste your time on someone who is not as into you as you oh are God. into them. I that know. is the biggest mistake. You should both be obsessed with each other. Yeah. Yes. Or and you will be on this, like you will both, you will know when you are mutually obsessed with someone, yeah. you will understand you. There will be no like guesswork. Yeah. yeah. I definitely went through that once in college where I was really into uh, this woman, because she said yes to going on a date with me, I thought that she was maybe just as into me. And we had a great first date mm-hmm. and it was awesome. Uh, but then, you know, she was kind of dating around and had someone else that she was more interested in. Yeah. And I kept waiting for her to come around and be like, oh, maybe, maybe if I just like. Yeah, you're going to wait forever. Yeah. It's not yeah if we hang out more around. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 And if they do, it's not for a good reason. No, it's sure. because they're bored or someone else rejected them bored. and they want attention and they know yeah. they can get it from you. It's a sucky so. reality, but it, it is also yeah. reality and it will save you uh, a lot of headache if you're just like, yeah. oh, not the one. I would, yeah. for, her, for this listener, I would honestly be like, I would personally kind of cut bait and be yeah, like, I'm absolutely. not. Because it's it's I I promise you that we'll never go in a direction that you want it to, and that's frustrating and completely unnecessary for someone you met on Bumble. Like yeah. it's not plenty of people out there. You should save up your money and go to London and meet <laughs> up with uh, Diking Out listeners there because yeah. they are cute, smart ladies. Yeah, so. great. <laughs> uh, all right, Lauren, how can people follow you on social media? At Miss LAS on Instagram and Twitter. Yay. And you can follow us at Decking Out on everything. You can uh, give monies to us on Patreon if you're Please so do. inclined. Patreon slash Decking Out. And uh, thanks for Decking Out with us this week. Deck yeah. Out with us next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.